Jasmine, you ready for your hair appointment today? No, because I'm scared of one. I went. I I just suddenly get pulled over when I'm driving. <laughs> because the, the, uh, oh, okay. the area I'm going to is towards Merrick, mm-hmm. and I just like don't like. I'll be on Merrick Boulevard. Just not. It just runs through a few towns. So I'm just like, oh, wow. I don't fucking want to go. <laughs> um, I want my mom to take me, but then with the social distancing, you can't all be up in there. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like, trying to convince her to like take me and maybe like run in the air. <laughs> I don't come know. back, yeah. Then, like, I mean, shit, I want your mom. I'd be like, hell yeah, I got you. Okay, come on. I haven't been able to talk to her about it this morning yet because I started it because she was on the phone mm-hmm. with her her sister, like, till just now. So after that, I will um, try to see if I can convince her to come along or Jonathan. Something. Well, no, Jonathan would fight the police. Let's be real. They don't oh, my gosh. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Ooh. I did see a video of people that were that did go protest, and I don't know if anything happened to them, but I didn't know try to do it like with the resistance of everything happening. So I was like, hopefully yeah, there was okay. a, there was a protest in America. Um, um, I think the difference is for me, like protesting, I'd be like, okay, that was in the city, I'd be okay, I have to deal with like police. Mm-hmm. One thing, but seeing like townspeople gathering and screaming and cursing and these people own their business owners, right? So you're thinking of like, where's my money going? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, just seeing people who actively hate you, who like got out of their bed yeah. and were so mad about not the killing, but that you want to mar- like march mm-hmm. is beyond me. So I don't know if I can handle that because I know, like, it's like these are the same breeds that are like my neighbors, you know? Yeah, I don't live in a neighborhood where I feel like I people who look like me are represented. So it's like, oh, there yeah. are families here, but I don't know them personally. They're not on my street or the next street or the next street. So mm-hmm. I, I just don't. I just makes me feel more nervous, and I, I don't like feeling hated in my own space. So mm-hmm. you, you never know who feels what. But if I was, I was just shocked how many people got out. Gave themselves with like American flags. Why do you have one, first of all? But none of my business. And like, when out. If it ain't 4th of July, I don't want to see it. And that wasn't even a real holiday because we weren't free. But continue, yes. Very true. And, like, and it's like irritating to me because I'm like, that's my flag too. I'm American. I pay taxes here. I was born here. Like, you're right. taking that to have an image of whiteness when it represents all of us. Like, if you mm-hmm. want to say that I don't have my right, then what? Do I not pay tax? Do I not contribute? I work, um, mm-hmm. and my work contributes to others. And I'm not sitting here like, a, like a rock in the corner. You know, I don't. I recognize that I was born here. I can never fully claim Haiti in the sense that I can't go there and just like live. Like that's a whole different world to me. You know, like right. this is all I know. And like for them to take that and say, this is a representation of us, and you are being your other. It's just disgusting. So I'm like, that's also my side. Like, excuse me. Like, I'm not proud of this country's history, but I'm proud of some of its history. Very few, like very little of it, I should say. But, okay. but I feel like there's also a lot of like deeply rooted uh, segregation and racism in Long Island, especially with like mm-hmm. sometimes how you think of how it came about and like white flight and mm-hmm. people. Like I just think of Levittown and how there were so many issues there in terms of like they didn't want to give loans to black people or not even selling houses there, and mm-hmm. you could see like even today that issue still plays out in the way that they treat people and it's wild to me yeah 
And the thing is, like, when you go to Love Concept, and uh, it's been a long time, but um, when I was younger, I went, I think, seventh grade, because they had a large, like, wooden tailor or something out there. I was looking for a bar, I bought mitzvah dresses. And the neighborhood's not, like, it's the same type of people who, mm-hmm. you know, you would think they typically would have that hatred. And then, like, you know, like, not, you know, working class, scared people who are in their homogenous society and see you walking into the store and are, are immediately, like, clutching their pearls and I'm just like, very uncomfortable. So I was only, like, 12 and didn't understand, but I was like, oh, it's even, like, it's like a, almost like a time capsule because all the houses still look exactly the same because mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I think they were called matchbox houses. Like, they're, like, little, like, like close together look squares that are like yeah identical and it was it was just very alarming and that's when I learned um too because my hairdresser her um father is a veteran and grandfather and she said that um that's where like Amityville and Copex started like that's where the black like veterans could get loans to start their own kind of suburban neighborhood and like that it was segregated by design back then mm-hmm. and Long Island is very segregated, incredibly segregated yeah. and you know, that's all I've you know, know here. There's not really many neighbors I could think of that have a good mixture of people. Right. Um, they're very like clear borders. Um, even when my parents moved to my neighborhood, I know one of our neighbors who unfortunately still lives down the street knocked on every door and said, a black family's moving and what are we going to do? Um, and then one neighbor came to my parents and said, I thought, you know, this will happen, but, you know, our yeah. family welcome you here. Um, and then my parents, you know, they bought the house. They were, they were saying, like, it was not really a, a like a white flight situation or anything, but, you know, like, my whole life I've known that that family was very uncomfortable with the idea of living near someone who looked like me. So uh, it's just been hard to be on Long Island because I see like what I've seen for like, outright hatred of like an like a uprising of people who have a distaste for Black Lives Matter or who think like who love saying this isn't about George Floyd, this isn't about racism, this is about like mm-hmm. a hate group. And it's just so disgusting. There's a Facebook group that's like keep Long Island safe and there's people from my high school who like kind of infiltrated the group and tried to kind of spread peace and they were like kicked out and like all these very like racist fear, uh, fearful like, speech is, like, written about, like, you know, we have to stop this. This is not about racism, you know. Um, this is about looting. We have to protect our stores. Just nonsense. And it just makes me feel more, like, as I've been saying, I hate it here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the thing. Like, you should, like, we should be able to feel safe, like, and we don't. And I actually, I had a follow-up question because, okay, so, like, when you talk about people you went to school with, I don't, I know like we've kind of been like left on social media because of everything, but I am finding literally this time is where everyone is showing their true colors, honestly. And when I told y'all I'm going through and blocking people, I'm doing that. And like most of them are the people that are from Greensboro that I went to middle school with and that I went to high school with. It's, I find it, I just find it like so disheartening how there are still so many people who are in such disagreement for what we are fighting for. We're not seen as equals. When you go to the store, you shouldn't have to feel afraid. You shouldn't have to, today, like you getting your hair done, you shouldn't have to be thinking, are there people who 
are going to prevent me from possibly coming home, you know? That's very true. Um, I find that, well, I got rid of Facebook because I just found that there was a lot of negativity on there. But I feel like I've kind of come to the point where realizing that it's okay to kind of curate a group of people that you follow and are friends with that, not that you agree with, because you want people, you want to be able to look at different opinions and perspectives, but people that allow you to protect your peace and not really, you know, increase your anxiety or I guess make you feel like more anxious scrolling down your timeline. Like for me, if I see a post that's completely like offensive or racist, I'm like, I don't want to follow this person anymore because it's just very triggering to have to see stuff like that in your timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been noticing that a lot of people have been getting rid of, you know, people on their feeds that are completely out of line. And go, I don't know, I guess going against the whole movement because I don't really understand what it is about the Black Lives Matter movement that is so controversial and so, I guess, divisive that people feel the need to kind of go against what people are, go, like, rooting for. I don't see why it's such, like, racial justice is such a problem in this country. And I don't understand why people feel like people just don't have the right to be treated fairly. And why is it such an issue? Why do people hate people so much to the point where they have to get to this point? That we have to, like, even live with this. It's, I don't know, it's come about in so many different ways over mm-hmm. the past 400 years. And just seeing how it has, like, transformed itself into like the prison system or like redlining in the past and stuff like that it's just very disheartening so for everyone listening um candace i know that literally since i've met you like you've been interested in law and i guess considering where we are right now how do you as an individual plan to i guess like in your studies your future aspirations how do you plan to be a part of the solution so i think for me, a lot of times when I find problems with society and stuff like that, uh, the issues that are raised and the solutions that are given are not really rooted in the, the like original issue that's at hand. I find that a lot of employers will say, like, oh, we're not diverse enough, but they're not looking at places where they can recruit diverse people. They're not going into high schools and middle schools and even introducing the idea of their career path into mm-hmm. that school. Like, when I was younger, I didn't even really understand what engineering was. We built some bridges in fifth grade, and we were like, oh, this is cool but and I grew up loving calculus but I never knew that like I could take that that path and kind of make my whole life into that so I think mm-hmm. my goal as a person is to like start pipeline programs for students who are interested in attending schools in attending law schools and kind of help them I guess navigate this whole process um, especially mm-hmm. as like a first generation professional student um, I had to do this whole thing by myself so it's been really hard just trying to understand and like finding the right resources and asking questions and sometimes you don't even know what questions to ask and you know you see people around you that have like generations and generations of lawyers in their family or even doctors like most of my friends want to be doctors and just getting that exposure they have the support group of each other um, has been great so I definitely want to do that for other people but also I think it's important to kind of give back to the communities that you're that you've grown up in so yeah um, I definitely want to do some pro bono work uh, in my community, which I've been doing like as a paralegal, which is great. Um, but I think, you know, as an attorney, you have like way more leverage in terms of like mm-hmm. you can actually argue on behalf of people and it's less administrative. So you're allowed to, you know, actually represent them in court and things like that. And it would allow me to, I guess, give back 
in that sense, there are a lot of issues that people face every day in terms of housing, wages that are not being paid, right? So I think fixing the system is kind of like going at the root cause of helping people instead of just saying, like, we are aware of the situation, but we're not doing anything. I don't think that's as helpful. Mm -hmm. Actually, like, taking the steps to, like, ensure that this upcoming generation and future generations are also going to have the tools they need. Exactly. (sighs) I feel that. Daphne? So going back to um, the conversation about Facebook or social media, I think that throughout my time on the website, I kind of purged people if I felt that removing something is highly offensive, not only to, even if it didn't have to do with me, if I felt that that was hateful towards another group, I just would remove them because as Candace says, I think it's really important to protect their space. I guess I did a really thorough purge. I, I know I did a very thorough purge um, during mm-hmm. the 2016 election. Like, oh my wow. god, yeah. I was like, delete, delete, delete. That was, <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, it was just too much. So, like, the people who have been posting now, I try to kind of, I don't know, like, not, like, understand, like, where that's coming from, but then, like, like there's like, people I can think of that I've seen, like, this evolution of hatred where they kind of love to say, like, I'm not racist, I'm not prejudiced, I'm not a hateful person. And for some reason, like, saying that before a statement that is purely hateful somehow in their minds absolve them of any accountability of what they're mm-hmm. saying and that they can just view, view these, these thoughts and ideals in a way that doesn't really make sense to me. And for certain people, it got to the point, like, when it comes up, I just kind of, like, I look at it and it, it hurts, but I'm, like, I'm trying to understand why you think this is okay. Because it's not just, like, a thought that comes to mind that it's just this person is just thinking of one person their entire life, like, what they're exposed to, how they're raised, and how these thoughts have come to become. These wrong opinions have come become like a, a reality to them and have they mm. come to see the world through this lens and you know I think understanding that in a sense not understanding it like oh this makes sense but understanding that that is it's so multifaceted because you see it grandma in the comments like woohoo it's mom like sharing it's mm-hmm. um it's a, a lot of support or it's you know it's not just them saying this like the statement there's a, there's a community that feels mm-hmm. this way so for me I think Trying to fully understand that it's not as simple as you shouldn't feel that way or you should see this that this is an important issue. Because I think about how hard it would be for someone to come to me and tell me you need to change something that I hold as an ideal, though I feel that my ideals are not prejudiced. But everyone has their bias, everyone has yeah. negativity within them. So I think, like, for me to try to understand, not understand that, like, I, I, I see where you're coming from, but trying to understand that this is so, so complex has helped me navigate like spaces that has been like very very racist and I, I had to go through that um, all my life growing up in my neighborhood especially since it's two point I think 2.35% black are African American as of like wow. the mid the mid um, 2010 I haven't really looked at the statistic in a while but I microaggression you know something that I always experienced growing up but I didn't understand it till college when I try to educate myself and taking different courses mm-hmm. and learning like this is an attack on you or this is not okay. And the things you get used to hearing, so they made me uncomfortable. It was so often that I thought that it was normal and that this is something I would just have to deal with. And so I think like for me, understanding that I'm still going to have to navigate spaces, like not just on Facebook, but in person too, where mm-hmm. people are going to say things that it's like, I don't want to give myself too much of a, peaceful bubble 
in my in my like, solitude in my home and not like it shouldn't be peaceful but like understand the reality of that when I step outside that I could face all these things and sometimes I'll see like a comment yeah. on Facebook and I'll think to myself I'm not going to comment on it because I don't want to fight with anyone but if you said this to my face I would say this and just like understanding like how you would react is helpful when you're facing situations that are uncomfortable like I remember this like anecdote I was 10 years old like walking my dog in my neighborhood with my mom and the police mm-hmm. stopped us and asked do you, do you guys live in this neighborhood? Now, oh, why wow. would we be walking our dog in another neighborhood? If like, we didn't get the pee, why would you hop in a car, drive to, like, the quote-unquote, like, white, affluent neighborhood to walk our dog? In, in what world? How does that make any sense? That we, it was blocked. And you can bet your ass they wouldn't stop on other people that was like, oh, okay. And we were walking the dog. Do you live here? Exactly. Um, and I was like 10 years old, and that, that could have escalated, you know, if, if that police officer was, was felt adamantly that there was no way, you know, my mom was kind of like, why would you be walking our dog in a neighborhood that we don't live, like, make it right. make sense. Um, like, things like that, like, early age where I've, I've seen things happen that have been a bit shocking, where um, people may question, like, what, like, what are you doing here, or people pointing out things like, oh, you're so poised, or you aren't like what I expected from like a black person, and then trying to put me on like a pedestal as like this model black citizen, where it's like, I don't want that. You need to open your eyes that we're, it's not we're not just all carbon copies of each other, that you can't look at someone's exactly. skin and make assumptions. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to social media, I did my deep perch in 2016, but some part of it me, like, in a way, like, keep a few mild people on there just so I can kind of see how they're maybe not outward or saying, like, I hate black people, but... They're backwards. I'm not a racist. I love everyone. I don't see color, but honestly, this isn't about race. This is a hate group that is trying to uprise and take over our American ideals, and we have, quote-unquote, our rights. People love saying our rights without really defining what rights they're trying to defend. Exactly. (laughs) And it's like, like, we're all human beings collectively living on this planet together trying to, quote-unquote, have our rights but it's like we're not even being treated like people it's i i hate when people try they basically try to like use the laws in their favor and they say because of this this is justified and it's not you know and it's interesting like okay i actually daphne i wanted to um go back a little bit when you were talking about trying to like understand someone's point but just kind of trying to honestly when I see crazy, hateful people, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to understand you at all because, like, you're crazy and you're hateful. I'm going to just keep moving on. But how do you decide when to, like, have those conversations, try to see from their point of view? Well, I had a very personal experience with that, actually, which probably before what I'm about to talk about, I probably would have just been, like, delete. Like, I don't want to see anything from you. Mm-hmm. But one of my, like, very best friend from high school was throughout the um, 2016 election was posting a, a lot of hurtful things and things that basically saying that, like Black Lives Matter is a hate group and just very backwards like pro like pro Trump things which is like you know you should have your political affiliation you have every right to but the, the ideals that she was harping on it wasn't like oh I'm really for this policy it was just a hate speech because that's all he ever said let's be real anyone who like when I so what ended up happening when you backtrack is you know the election happens and she said something yeah. that I thought was beyond offensive um election night and it was just very dismissive to 
my experience and experience with other people of color in this country. And I was like, I don't feel like I know this person anymore. We haven't spoken in a while. I'm just going to, like, create my space. And I, like, remove them from, like, Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. And I guess Snapchat snitches because my name was grayed out when she went to, like, her, to, like, I guess send a snap the next day. And she was like, did she really block me? And she tried to come from my neck, like, did you really, like, delete me on everything over an election? And I was like, you should talk. And, you know, not that I wanted to, but I felt like I wanted to explain, like, I'm not just being like, oh, knee-jerk reaction, because it's not, it's so much more than an election, you know? So we spoke on the phone, and I first just wanted her to really, I was like, explain to me where you're coming from. Like, for example, like, why is Black Lives Matter a hate group? And then she's like, well, some of the things that they do, I feel like a people, what, what things? Like, I was like, I want specific, I want to understand, like, if you feel this way, that you're willing to share it on a public platform, you need to back it up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she wasn't able to, because she mm-hmm. didn't want to admit that those things were rooted in hate. Um, she wasn't able to, to really say, I was like, okay, I know you voted for um, Donald Trump. Like, what policy or what, what, um, what did he say that made you feel like I want him to be my president? Like, how does, how, what did he say that would benefit your life? You know, what, what was it? And she couldn't name like one policy. She couldn't really say. She just kind of was like, you know, like our flag, like our rights, but like very vague. And I said, I just kind of, Look at my experience. I was like, Black Lives Matter is not a hate group. Like, no one, don't add words to it. It's no one saying Black Lives Matter more than all the other lives and we want to be put on a pedestal. We're saying we matter because we're treated that, like words we don't matter. That no one should exactly. be innocent, should be killed by police. Anyone who commits a crime, of course, you do a crime. There are consequences, but that consequence is not death. So it was just like an enraged conversation, but very much like I, we've been friends for so long. I'm trying to understand how you could be my friend. I know you have other black my friends who are black and still have these views. Do you think that it's been a walk in the park for us or for me that despite when you adjust for like socioeconomic factors, educational factors that I still experience hatred and I still have fear and I shouldn't live in fear in this country and I think after that conversation um it made me feel more comfortable that I could like stand my ground by Mm -hmm. kind of giving a space where I didn't go into it like I'm ready to like rip your head off like I'm angry I was just like help me understand where you're coming from and then I could respond and it's Mm -hmm. easier to respond when you're coming from a place of true experience versus someone kind of jumping on the bandwagon of like is this a way that I could be like like racist or prejudiced or still harbor hatred but like put myself under the cloak of you know the cloak of like I'm not a bad person and I just had this really strong fear that if anyone were to confront her she would use me and say well my best one of my best friends is black so I can't be racist and I just mm-hmm. I was like I'm not having that you know have y'all so, seen that tweet where it's about people it's not if they like black people they just like you have y'all seen that tweet oh wow that is <laughs> That's I haven't seen that, but that's real. That's very real. Seriously. I, I wrote down some things in my notes app because Daphne was stating, you know, I had to really just, I didn't want to forget. And she had a lot of good thoughts. So I was like, oh, let me comment on that. The first one being uh, when you said that you had the conversation with her uh, and how you kind of wanted her to put yourself in your, in your shoes. I thought that was really important. And the other day, my friend, she shared this post. She's uh, not a person of color. She's not a black woman. Um, but she was sharing a lot of posts in terms of showing how people that are similar to her could be allies in this type of situation. And one of them she shared was uh, this idea that you could always challenge people to think about why. So every time you have a hard conversation with someone in your family or a friend who doesn't really understand this movement, you continue to ask them why until they get to the, the answer of racism. So if someone says to you, I don't believe in this movement because 
black people, you know, they have hard troubles, but I don't think that they're actually disadvantaged. You say why, or you bring up a point of, I guess, like two different statistics of like how black people are more likely to face stressors in their life that make their lives shorter. You ask them why, why do you think that is? Or, uh, and maybe the person might say some environmental factors, and then you ask them, well, why are they exposed to those environmental factors? And you just keep pushing this idea until the person gets to the deeply rooted issue of racism because I think that it contributes to a lot of different factors in our life and I'm re- remembering when we took um, the fundamentals of population health in college that was really really good class because it kind of introduced me to all the different ways that like stresses can really affect us and even mm-hmm. this past week just thinking about how overwhelmed I was and how anxious I was I really had to take a step back because I started getting headaches all the time started just like feeling my body you know not responding well to all this kind of stuff and I was like well this is the type of stresses that I learned about in class just these are the things where black people are exposed to so much stress in their life that it starts to have an impact on other parts of their physical health and I think it's important for people you know to just take a moment to pause sometimes like we see so much black trauma on this on social media on tv I had one day I had my laptop open with articles I had my phone going with videos I had the tv on uh watching People, you know, get pushed in these protests, and I was just like, I'm absorbing all of this at the same time, and it's really impacting my health. So, like, don't be afraid to just take a moment and think about that. And then also Mm -hmm. when she was responding responding to her friend, I thought about um, the idea of pushing people to put themselves in your shoes. Um, It's really important to me because at the end of the day, we still have to live with the skin color that we have. Like, we can't just turn it off when people say, I don't see color. Because, in fact, people do see color. I think people see the first thing they see when they see us is a woman and they see a black woman. And that mm-hmm. already has a lot of implications for how we're treated in life. So I, when people say to me, like, I don't see color, I think it kind of just ignores the different identities that have affected my life. And I feel like it's so important to kind of push that conversation. I feel you on that 100%. But, um, the last thing I want to say was for people that um, want to be allies in this situation, uh, I do think it's important for them to kind of have these difficult conversations in their households because it's easy to say, uh, like, I won't do this anymore. But are you talking to your racist family that is, you know, making comments at the Thanksgiving table about your friends? Like, are you really having those uncomfortable conversations with people that are in your life that you're scared to challenge? And I think that would kind of help groups of color and black people, I uh, guess, in their movement because it would allow them to like really open their eyes and their family's eyes to the issues that we face Uh, when you hear someone saying like oh uh, I like your friend because she's one of the good ones or like oh your friend's really smart and she's going to this you know prestigious school but it might be because of affirmative action like are you taking the time to correct your family members and those types of ideas and like challenging them to see that there are bigger issues at hand than their microaggression I agree with you 100% (laughs) Like being able to like when you see a problem, especially in in your social groups, in your families, being able to call it out, okay? Mm-hmm. Because yeah, no, it, it literally like you said, it all starts. It starts in the home, and yes, for as an sure. individual, like we we appreciate the people who do not identify with our communities, but who are allies. But at the same time, it's like these ideals are being perpetuated generation over generation. Uh, I'm just glad also you spoke to her and just stood up for it because it's hard to be like. I don't. I guess people are so like pro-Trump, and I just don't get it. But it's hard, you know, to say something in that circumstance. So it I'm is. Glad you said it, something it was to her. difficult. It was definitely emotional. Um, she was emotional too because I don't think anyone has ever challenged her to face like these like these biases and like you know when I think about other things I'm not going to expose like specific details about her life but like how she grew up and like 
her background and like you know maybe um, how the people who have who raised her what they what they were have been exposed to and maybe the amount of knowledge you may have had about certain things like have they ever because I know for a fact like let's just let's just let's like backtrack here like a lot of people for example like education is so important and I know like what like for example I didn't know what a microaggression was until I like went to college and like it wasn't like the second I got on Cornell's campus it was like here's a flyer Daphne it was like a few years into it taking one class hearing it and being like oh that's what that is right mm-hmm. but in high school like I didn't I didn't learn that and I know for a fact that the classes and the, the the coursework that I was able to tap into in college not everyone at that university did like it was um largely by choice um by like trying to seek a better understanding of like social social inequality um do like the inequalities minor and stuff but i know that mm-hmm. everyone had exposure to that so i think that high school like i remember um i just remember like not really hearing about race in a way where it was it was ever seen as like that bad you know like we never like there was never like a a, a space where i could like talk about that like i remember you know we we went in on the Holocaust, and I'm thankful that I learned about that atrocity in history. I, I'm thankful that that was brought to light, and I know that, you know, it, it's something that you can't let repeat. But when it came to slavery, it was just, like, brushed off. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, obviously. I remember one time, specifically, vividly, vividly, I was in my junior year of high school in AP, um, AP American History, and my teacher, my his office teacher, he had the audacity to stand up there and say, Honestly, guys, and I guess I could tell he's been saying this whole speech, this little, like, segue all day. And I have a very strong feeling now, much as that, that our um, textbook was written through a very conservative lens. But regardless, he sat there and said, slavery wasn't that bad. Think about it. They weren't really beating their slaves. This wasn't roots here, you know, because that would reduce property value. How would you sell a slave if you were beating them and they, they, to a point where they could no longer work? Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, you, you treat them so poorly that they can't, like, pick the cotton. Like, it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. And I, I remember, like, he saw me because I was the only black person in the class and he seemed startled. And this is the information he's feeding to young America. And right. I didn't know what to say. Like, I couldn't stand up there. Like, I couldn't, I was seen, like, gathering my thoughts to stand up to my teacher and say, that's wrong. And really understand how to even, like, navigate this, this very hurtful opinion. But I'm thinking of, like, all the people he influenced to view slavery as not as severe as it was or that it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, and I think about people who maybe, like, don't don't go to college and then they only only education they really had is high school and maybe went into careers right out of high school and, like, the information that they have. Like, people – I don't know a lot of people who are actively trying to learn history that they weren't presented. And you've got to write snippet, like – if it views of things where you're like, whoa, 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 you know? I remember when they, like, brushed past Japanese internment. I was like, wait, what? Like, how? And we're just going to move on. <laughs> like, this little paragraph. Yeah. And I think even the, way that, oh, sorry. even the way that they presented it to us was never, it was almost as if it wasn't really problematic. It was like, oh, this is, you know, what happened. And then. Yeah. Like, how did you react? Like, not feeling. Like, these were people. You know, right. we reacted. These were our ancestors. We reacted and punished all of our Japanese students. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And learning that has been <clears throat> has been really really hard. And I think even like you mentioned before, sitting in that classroom and real and when the teacher realizes that you're that one black student, like that's just a little too common for me. And I think it's really sad. Like I think of the first my freshman year, freshman fall. 
when I had to take labor history, and I'll never forget this because at this point we were at the college level, and I just I was like so stunned that someone would even say this that I couldn't even figure out how to. I just navigate that situation at the time. But I remember we were learning about, uh, just because it's labor history, like the ways that uh, labor was impacted over the course of history. And we were talking about the three-fifths compromise. And I remember there being a student saying that there was nothing wrong with it. There was nothing wrong with counting a population of slaves as three-fifths and moving on and not looking at a person as a human being. And I just remember responding and being like, I don't understand how you don't see how there's something wrong with this, but also being the only black student in that room. And there being people who agreed with them. And you just feel sometimes like you don't even know how to like even defend yourself, I guess. But realizing that as a black person, when you occupy these spaces that are predominantly white, sometimes you have to deal with situations like that. And I wish that there were ways that we could I guess have more black students and students of color in the room so that people mm-hmm. could open their eyes to like our situations and what we've been through. And I don't I think that's the first one of the first steps is just acknowledging that these places are not diverse in the first place. And even though they exactly. claim they are, they're not. But I don't know. It was just very hard for me to sit through that and try to defend something and not really articulate my thoughts because I was so stunned. But it's just hard. I, I- I agree with you, Candace, and it gets to a point where it's like, why do I have to bear the burden to defend right. my race? Yes, that's exactly and what I was about to say, too. It's like, this is objectively immoral. <laughs> And it's like we already have the weight of facing racism and then having to constantly, honestly, sometimes I get tired, like constantly, constantly having to explain, like, how this is incorrect and, like, having mm-hmm. to defend. So it's like, it's like we're being oppressed and then we're having to defend why it's wrong that we're being oppressed. It's like <sighs> that emotional labor, it will catch up to you. It gets hard. Seriously. And, and also, I like, I, I'm, I, no, I was just going to say also, um, Candace, when you were talking before about like social media, TV, and just like, you know, being hit so much with like this constant information that basically we're not seen as equals. Like, I'm so glad, like, you and Daphne were like, yo, I got to, like, take some time mental health. Because seriously, literally yesterday, I had, like, decided to take that as a mental health day. So, like, I told my boss, I was like, yo, I need a mental health day. Just like, you know, I'm putting on the calendar. And I just, like, I just took time for myself. Because literally we are having to face the burden of, A, it's, it's happening to us, and then, B, having constant reminders that that we don't matter, you know. It's just it's overwhelming. It's still being expected to perform at mm-hmm. our job and you know in our lives as if as if these factors aren't constantly affecting us. No, honestly, I just was like, you know what? Can't do this. Take myself away. I need some time for myself, some me time. Because honestly, this stress will fucking kill us early. It will, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And if they don't kill us first, and I think it's also important to realize that. There's nothing wrong with doing this in general if you feel overwhelmed or if you feel anxious. But I also just want to point out the fact that not everyone works at a job where they have the opportunity to take time off. Um, like if you're an essential worker, you know, you might not even get a chance to get a day off. Like there's some people, I don't know, they've been working this entire pandemic and then on top, like dealing with this pandemic on top of all the stuff that's going on right now has just been another layer of issues. But I just want to point out for people that are going through that, just take a moment to maybe when you get like an hour or two of yourself a day um, and just do something that you love doing. Even if that's like just running a bath and, you know, sitting there and reading or going for a walk, um, 
anything that can like de-stress you and you know put you at ease because it's hard like constantly interacting with people and people asking like how are you how are you and like they know that this is a hard issue that we have to face a lot of times and I guess sometimes people feel uncomfortable in they don't really know how to bring up the topic with you so they just say how are you but I, I mean we're just tired like I don't know how else mm-hmm. to put it I'm tired. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm sad. I'm tired. I'm experiencing a lot of negative emotions. Trying to be positive because as you also see um, a lot of people spreading word about like supporting Black-owned businesses and positive things. But at the end of the day, it's exhausting to see this kind of stuff over and over. So just, you know, take some mental health time if you can. But also, if you are not in a position where you can do that. Maybe take like an hour, 30 minutes a day to either meditate or get a nap in. Sometimes you just need to sleep, you know, um, and find mm-hmm. something that you enjoy doing. I think that um, going off of what um, Candace said, like how exhausting it is to hear, like, how are you? I've been struggling with thinking like, hmm, I haven't heard from this person. They haven't mm-hmm. checked on me. But then when they check on me, I'm like, oh, I don't really want to be sad right now. <laughs> it's like yeah. you kind of you kind of question like, how much do you care, you know, like, Sometimes I think, and I hate saying this, sometimes I think that people look at the black struggle the same way they look at, you know, let's say you saw a commercial for like veganism and you see like the cows um, being like misabused or like the animal abuse that comes with like getting milk and you might see that and it might turn your stomach and you might be like, oh shoot, I'm not going to eat meat anymore. But then like two days later eating a burger. Like I think mm-hmm. that's how people address racism. Like as simple as like being like that, those commercials with like the animals that are like abused in the cages and like, you know, you feel heartbroken and emotional at that moment and then you move on with your life. And there's people who might say, okay, that's wrong and I, I would never actively participate, but I'm not going to do anything about it. And then people who are like, okay, I'm going to really want to make like a change and different. But I think like when people reach out, what they don't realize too is as much as you want to know, like I would say would say, like more than my friends who felt like reaching out to me would have been more like, and a blanket of like, a, I hope, I hope you're okay. I know this is a hard time. I recognize this is incredibly difficult for you. If you need someone to talk to me, if you'd like to talk to me, I'm here. But then exactly. when you go on to ask me, how are you? Like, how are you dealing with all of this? And I don't want to, like, you know, it's almost like you kind of have to compartmentalize and like put things aside because I still have to work, you know? I still, mm-hmm. still have responsibilities. It's still, it's not like you can sit and be in your feelings all day. That's a luxury to be able to do mm-hmm. that, like Candace said. Yeah. So, um, thankful you know that someone that they are reaching out but also just like i don't think they're even ready you know like if i were to like text you right now because it's usually via text everything i'm feeling like i don't even think it would send i would like max off the character count if there even is one like i think literally there would not be enough space (laughs) like this is literally a culmination of what we've been experiencing our whole lives (laughs) Like, the people that are saying shit now, they were always here. It's just more in our face now. People are in the, you know, what can I do text? And honestly, I'm like, <sighs> be a part of the solution and not the problem, you know? But it's and like, it's not yeah, my job to educate you on what to do. It's not my job to yeah, educate you what you should be doing. Why Why do I have to carry that burden, like, going through it and bring out the solution? Like, come on, there, there's resources out there. Get on Google. Like, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so many different, like, there's movies, there's books, there's articles, there's, I don't know, there's so many things. I think it's even, the fact that people are even saying, how are you? I haven't really had people say, what can I do? I think that even, that's a, I mean, that's a better step. I guess it would just be great to see people, like, actually putting some action into them saying, like, what can I do? Like, after you give them, if you decide to give them the different ways that they can contribute, 
it would be great to see people just kind of putting that into just actually doing it. I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, let's just say, if you tell someone, oh, you can donate to this or you can, you know, sign petitions on this or you can uh, vote on these types of policies. And there's just so many different ways. I think sometimes people, they read and they learn about these ways but don't do anything. So I think exactly. that would just be helpful. I don't know how to articulate. Absolutely, that. like call to action. Yeah. You know, because, yeah, a text message, like, okay, thank I used to think, like, okay, whatever, like, a little message, what are you actually doing? Yes, you could text me, but at the same time, it's like, are you actively taking a role in this, you know? Exactly. Like, are you actually going to do anything about choosing the way that society views these types of issues? Are you actually going to do anything besides, you know, post a black square? Are you going, like, what more are you going to do that's going to actually contribute to solving the problem? And I think that also, but like not to forget that the people who do reach out, but it's it's a good kind of indicator of who you could maybe like I don't want to trust, but who who has at least like a bit of a, a moral compass in this. Um, I think silence would make me incredibly anxious. Of like I don't know what you're thinking. Um, mm-hmm. So the good thing about the black square, though, it was completely oversaturated. I paid attention to the people who post every 10 seconds, everything, like mm-hmm. their whole lives, everything they eat, and who are completely silent about this issue, who will speak up about, like, the whale, but, like, I've said nothing about Black Lives Matter, and that's, to me, a clear indication of priorities, you know, so um, there is some benefit in that, but you, you do wonder what, like, what, what are you going to do, but I think that it's also, it just seems like a, a really, like, a, a really, like, it's a big task, like, I know people asking people to have these uncomfortable conversations with their families as, as much as they should. There's, there's conversations I don't want to have with my parents, but I don't want to be the one to be like, no, that's wrong. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that it, it takes not only saying that, but encouragement. And, you know, I think people being able to find resources of like how to approach, and I, I've seen it too, people saying like how to approach these conversations with your family, like articles and stuff that everyone um, is in their own experience, right? Of like what they feel they can or cannot do. So it's tricky because it's, it's so, there's so many layers to it. It's not one thing. Mm-hmm. Like racism runs into every aspect of our lives and it's, uh, there's needs to change in healthcare. There's, there's change that needs to be done in just, you know, like how, how are you going to change my experience of going to the grocery store or the store not being followed? How are you going to change my experience of someone clutching their purse when I walk across the street? Like that is, that's not policy. That's that person's heart, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that I, I'm trying to be somewhere between, okay, like I'm overwhelmed right now because you're texting me about something that I don't want to talk about because I don't even want to. Sometimes you know how you're feeling, but when you say it, it makes it real. And then you're just way more emotional. It's like you've like popped the, like the cork on a champagne and I'm like, like everything you're feeling is just like bubbling up. And once you say it, it's, like, cathartic, but also just, like, depressing sometimes. But then it's, like, yeah. you're thinking ahead, like, what are you going to do? But then it's, like, what can be done? It's, like, a huge issue. And, like, as much as I know we want um, this movement to just be, like, the be it's not going to be the be-all, end-all. There's so much change that needs to take place. Um, mm-hmm. It's been going at too slow a pace. It needs to be picked up. But it's multifaceted and it's complex. Um, so I don't know. It's hard to kind of because you know if we if there was a clear solution to it, you know we would have acted on it. If it was like a, we're gonna do one two three, it would have been done. But it's it's so deep, um, it's so very yeah. deep roots in this country. So every moment of even that acknowledgement 
now because this is not the first black man who's been killed by police in, in recent history. Like, there's been people who've been killed very recently by police, like, that have been in our face. The reaction to George Floyd has been, I think, more than I've seen in my recent memory. And it's kind of like, I don't know why now people are like, oh, shoot, that's not right. I'm going to say something. But, you know, that's to me huge because I recall, like, with, when uh, with Trayvon Martin, like, there wasn't this much, at least from what I remember, it wasn't this active. There wasn't this many people speaking. There weren't, I wasn't getting emails from like every company that I ever gave money to about mm-hmm. every booth, like we love everyone to like Ben and Jerry's going in, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I think that there is something happening for sure. It, it's so, it's so hard to kind of, like, I don't know, I'm like annoyed at people sometimes, but then I'm like, can I be mad? Or like, if this is not enough, it's like, what is enough? Um, there's no blueprint to this. So if I step in, like, recognizing the podcast and then criticizing the podcast, maybe that's the way to look at it. Like, this is good, but it needs to be taken a step further. Might be the way to go about it. Because people love to say, you got this, like, Oh, you guys had Obama. Shut up. You know, that's not enough. You know, we need an equality, equality in the workplace. We need to look at healthcare, housing, resources. You tell, you have this narrative of everyone. Every if you work that. hard, if you work hard, if you go to school, if you go to college, if you just, you'll be fine. That kid don't work. Like people don't, if their schools have no resources, if they're not being exposed, if people aren't being exposed to the opportunities that the world has for them, if they don't see anyone who looks like them, in a career path that they may have been mm-hmm. interested in, how do you want people to, quote unquote, pull themselves up by their bootstraps and figure it out? Like, what, what, what? If I have not been exposed to medicine, that, that people can become doctors, that that is, you do X, Y, and Z to get there. Would I ever want to pursue that? No, it's the same way no. that someone. That's like if I was like, I want to be an astronaut. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know where to begin. I wouldn't know where to begin. I really wouldn't. I would I would I was like, what do you study? <laughs> don't know. I don't know. How long does it take? How's training? How? What are the stats? What do I need to do? What exam? I don't know shit about becoming an astronaut because I don't know any astronauts, and it's not commonplace that we're that the, I don't think the general public is exposed to that. So when he's asking black people to like figure it out and like you're not oppressed. How? What? What is oppression? Like how is a lack of resources and a lack of education and all these barriers that are in place that are not just by people who hate, but our policy that are within ingrained. policy ingrained and in how this country mm-hmm. functions, not oppression. So it's so, there's so many layers to it, but we got to actively tip it away. We can't be like, oh, we got this, that's it. We can't be like, oh, we have like Black Lives Matter. Is it Way Avenue Street? I don't, but in um, Washington, it's good. We got that. That's enough. It's not enough until we're not living with this pain anymore and not living this experience of, of, of fear. Like I, I have a hair appointment in a few hours and I shouldn't be like, damn, I don't want to drive down that road. Cause I know people are like anti-protesting and speaking hateful, you know, and how am I going to navigate? It's going to be like that. I should be able to just hop in my car and go where I need to go. So. Exactly. Literally, legalize being black. What the fuck? You know? Mm-hmm. Very true. I think this country has so many, just like, there's so many deeply rooted systemic barriers that don't allow black people to even just face any, op- like, find any opportunities that they want to find, that it's, it's just hard to even, it's hard for someone to even sit here and say, like, oh, you can just do this or like you can 
just go to school. Like, even thinking about applying to college, like, it was great that I had people in my family that had gone to college and, you know, had been through that process. But growing up, I didn't even really know where I really was until high school, if I'm being honest with you. I only knew maybe Harvard and Princeton or, like, Harvard and Yale and stuff like that. And I think of, like, just telling someone, like, oh, you can do this or you can, you know, find this path or you can just go, just go to school. Like, that will solve all your problems. I think it just ignores the fact that, um, a lot of students aren't exposed to these different types of paths. They're not, they don't have the textbooks in their schools. They don't have the teachers that look like them, that inspire them. I, growing mm-hmm. up, didn't even have any black teachers until sixth grade. And then even all throughout my entire college career, did not have any professors of color. And that's so crazy to me. But it's hard to imagine yourself in a path or a career when you don't see people that look like you. So, yes, it's great for people to say, like, oh, you can just go do something, but really sit down and think about if that's possible for someone to do. No, for sure. I agree with, like, even, like, I have, I have so many people who I know who said I didn't know that I could pursue this path or that this, this was even a possibility for me, like, or, like, how what a career in STEM may look like. And I think... I think, you know, like having some, like you, you have people you look up to, but if you see a space where no one looks like you and you want to kind of try to infiltrate that space, it seems impossible. Cause you wonder, I can't, I can't be the first black person who wants to be here, you know? Mm-hmm. So why, why, why? It's probably going to be harder, you, you know? So mm-hmm. I think. And that's the thing too, like, the, I hope, I hope that we can get to the point to where it's no longer like the first black person to do this, the first black person to do that. I hope it gets to the point to where like we are taking up all spaces, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's twenty twenty and we're still having our first. And, you know, this upcoming generation, we need to equip them with the knowledge that yes, like it's gonna be hard, but you can do this. If you want it, you can make it happen. And Candace, I think that honestly, that's one thing that I know I I fell short with graduating college because when I was in college, like I was always, I was constantly, 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 constantly volunteering and, you know, through all the work that we'd like this image and, you know, mm-hmm. being able to talk to high school students of color and being like, the world is yours. Like these are the options that are here. And, you know, I was like, okay, I feel, I feel like I made a lot of positive change for our community when I was in school. And when I graduated, I was like, oh, crap, you know, I got bills, I got to, like, work, and then you get off work and you're tired, and you're like, the fight continues, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's and that's another reason, too, like, why I want to have this conversation with y'all, because I feel like advocacy comes in so many ways, and I'm really oh, hoping sure. that, like, yeah, you know, I'm really hoping that people, like, like and I'm glad y'all shared your stories, too, because I have my handful of, whoo, stories that, I mean, we could go on for days. It started experiencing at a young age and it sort of stopped today, you know, but having these conversations now and like bringing it to the light, I want to make people, I, I want to make people feel uncomfortable. Okay. We, we feel that way our whole lives. Oh, I don't belong here. Or, you know, do the people that I'm actually studying myself, do, do they actually want to fight for our communities? Like we, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I want people, I, I want people to really sit down with themselves and be like, yo, this is happening. It's not okay. And what are we going to do? I like that you said um, that advocacy comes in many different ways because I think sometimes people get caught up in trying to, I guess, do the right thing or what they think is an acceptable way of uh, 
I guess, dealing with these types of things. And I think it's important to kind of just think about what activism looks like for you and what puts you in the right space and makes you feel like you're making a difference. Um, so for some people that's, you know, posting about these issues and sharing links and sharing petitions and, you know, some people that look like voting and, you know, getting out there and really finding uh, politicians and leaders who actually will help us deal with these kinds of issues. For some people, that looks like donating and just getting, contributing to grassroots movements that allow people to, you know, like bail funds or uh, yes. even I look at the Justice for Breonna Taylor or the George Floyd Memorial or Ahmaud Avery, those different types of platforms and just contributing there and allowing people to amplify their voice through the air just there's so many different ways that you can contribute on these fronts and like I don't want people to feel like they're limited or obligated to you know do one type of thing so I guess it is important to think about that there's so many different types of activism and even if that also means protesting for you like I know for some people protesting is their best way of like raising their voice and talking about these issues and then for some people it really contributes to, to their anxiety and kind of puts them on edge. So if it does, I would just say, you know, look at a different way that you can really make a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's kind of like the main takeaway that I want everyone to like really get. Because, yes, in what ways can you support? What resources can you tap into? There's, mm -hmm. there's so many different ways. And like Daphne, like you were saying too, like it's not – it's not our job to do the research and then be like, okay, I need you to do X, Y, Z. You need to tap into yourself and be like, okay, what what am I able to do and mm -hmm. move forward in Canada? I mean, literally, like, every example you gave, perfect. Really ask yourself. I told my friend when, I, when she asked me, you know, how, like, she could help. I was be a part of the solution and not the problem. You know, there's there's so many ways to go about that. And I think a large part of people who are like this is wrong, but maybe I don't really understand racism. Maybe I maybe I'm confusing racism with prejudice. I don't understand how, what, how it's systemic or what systemic means. Educate yourself. Educate mm -hmm. yourself. Take mm -hmm. time to really understand history. Understand why people are upset. How the deep roots of the history, the, the history of police in America, the history of um, segregation in America, like understanding why and how like, you know, that slavery wasn't a thousand years ago the way sometimes it feels like it's presented and it wasn't like so, so long ago and that this is no one remembers Jim Crow. Like people alive now grew up in Jim Crow stuff. Like it's not something that you just read about. These are real life experiences mm -hmm. that people go through every day that we go through every day. Educate yourself and even if you're not protesting and you're not, you know, doing anything that feels active yet education is so powerful because once you understand and know what you're fighting for you can do more you can mm -hmm. speak up when you're when you're come when you come and when you're faced with people being racist and you want to say something you know what you're going to say and you have your facts because you've educated yourself it's not an assumption or your loose understanding of what you saw on instagram or like what clip you saw on the news or like you know that you took in the time to be like i want to understand this and i think that really for a lot of people is one of the most important steps you know making sure you understand mm -hmm. and you fully understand and like fully understand is like a weak term but like understand more learn something learn something that you didn't know and use that mm -hmm. for the good whether how learn something ugly about this country that they've done wrong and but how can I be the difference in that? How can I make sure it doesn't happen again? How has that exactly. affected people? How can I understand maybe why people are angry, why they're why they're marching? It can't be for no reason. No one wants to be out marching with signs for no reason. Like there is a reason that people feel this way. Educate yourself. So I think that's um, very important. Most definitely, Ed educate yourself and decide how you can be an ally. 